Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Well, it's lovely to see you this afternoon. We always love being here with you guys at Eastside. It's great. We just get the privilege of dotting around to the different spaces, but we love coming here amongst you. So it's great to be able to gather. It's just two weeks till Christmas. Woo-hoo. I hope you've done your shopping. Or, Have sorry, you done your shopping? Uh, not, no, I plead the Fifth Amendment. I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> um, our series is called The Gifts of Christmas. We're looking back at that first Christmas story and the three distinct gifts that the Magi or the wise men brought to worship Jesus. So when you think about that first Christmas story, I don't know what image comes to mind. Maybe a typical manger scene like the one behind you. Uh, that's often there. But central in that Christmas story are the three wise men or the magi well in fact they visited probably somewhere in the first couple of years of Jesus life now there could have been actually many more than three wise men we just know that there are at least three gifts and we're going to help center this story by reflecting on the earliest accounts captured that capturing this slice of history from Matthew's gospel when they saw the star they were filled with joy They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped Jesus. They opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now these are very, very unusual gifts for a baby. You've um, you've probably heard the joke, uh, what if it had been three wise women instead of three wise men? Well, that have probably... Ask for directions, first thing, (laughs) that that have probably arrived on time. They might have brought a meal or two and some practical presents. (laughs) So is this what happens when the guys go shopping? (laughs) Is that what this is about? Well, I think, no, there's much more going on than this. So uh, I don't know if you just had a chance to share some of your most unusual presents, but we are going to, well, I'm going to share with you my most unusual gift And uh, you have all got your own stories. Uh, In our family, this is when I was growing up, we received one Christmas a bag of Brazil nuts. Looked much like this, lovely, lovely juicy Brazil nuts. And I think it had a ribbon around the top and make it look a bit festive. So uh, over Christmas, we we had these nuts and, and we ate them. Nice and crunchy, really delicious nut. And, and they were great. And in the new year, we chatted with... Can you just do that? In the new year, we chatted with the lady who gave them to us. And we said, thank you so much. Those were just delicious nuts. And she said, well, I'm really glad you liked them. You see, the thing is, she said, I don't really like the nuts, but I do love the chocolate round the nuts. You can get chocolate-covered Brazil nuts. They look a bit like this. She said uh, she'd carefully and... Um, meticulously licked and sucked the chocolate off every single nut and she'd collected the nuts and she'd put them safely in the bag and she thought that would be a really nice thing to give to us. (laughs) An unusual gift, I hear you say. So um, I don't know if anybody particularly likes, does anyone like chocolate Brazil nuts? Over here, look. Over here, oh my gosh. Oh, look, I see the back. Uh, Bill yeah. likes chocolate Brazil nuts. Yeah, we'll just go to the very back. Very, very back. I'm not throwing it to the very back, that's dangerous. <laughs> who, who, where was it at the back? 
Anyway, let's get back to the wise men. Now, the wise men's gifts weren't practical, but they were pointers. They were high-value items, and they were signs as to who Jesus was and what Jesus would do. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I've given, we've given away some bags of chocolate, but sadly, we haven't got any bags of gold to give away, just to manage your expectations. Gold is, gold is clearly fit for a king, and it showed that Jesus was coming as king. So let's look in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. This is what it says. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He's a king for sure. That's why the wise men bowed down and worshipped him. Frankincense we're going to look at next week when it's the carol services. So do remember to grab those invitations and bring friends along next weekend, the interactive nativity. But um, today I want to think about the gift of myrrh because it was a sign for what was to come. It's on the right in our picture, I think, on screen there. Myrrh is an expensive scented resin. And the word myrrh comes from an Arabic word for bitter Myrrh was both an antiseptic and a painkiller. It was also used in those days for healing. And when people passed away or died, myrrh was often used to prepare their bodies for burial. Now that is, by any account, a very strange gift to give a baby. Because it's often associated with times of bitterness. So at this very moment when Mary and Joseph are all excited and happy celebrating this new life, This gift is pointing ahead with themes of suffering, sorrow, death. In this first act act of the Jesus story, these gifts act as symbols or signs to point to what Jesus would do with the rest of his life. But they only make sense when we understand the big picture, the whole story of Jesus. Now, long before the birth of Jesus, many things were prophesied or foretold in the Old Testament about how he would live, where he'd be born, and then ultimately how he would die. And I want us to look at an Old Testament message from Isaiah. The prophet spoke 700 years before Jesus was actually born. And his message makes sense of the gift of myrrh and why Jesus came. And it's Isaiah chapter 53. It speaks of God's suffering servant who would face sorrow and even death, but through it all bring healing to us. Speaking of Jesus, Isaiah says this. Surely he, that's Jesus, took up all of our pain and bore all our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And by his wounds, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. So Jesus came as a servant king to bring God's healing and God's forgiveness into our lives. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Anybody who owns a dog in the the room? Any any dog owners, cat owners? Do you know, you can train lots of animals. You can train a dog. uh, You can train an elephant, apparently. And you can even train some cats. I managed to during my lifetime. But you can't train sheep. Sheep are just stubborn, they're too dumb to be trained. All of us have, like sheep, have gone astray. That's you, that's me. Sheep are weak and they wander off. They don't know the best way to go. Sheep tend to follow the crowd. If one sheep does dumb sheep stuff, the other sheep do dumb sheep stuff too. 
That sounds like a tongue twister, doesn't it? Back in, back in 2005 in Turkey, there's this true story. It's on the BBC website about 1,500 dumb sheep following each other off a cliff. It's a crazy story. First sheep thinking, oh, I'm going to have a little stroll. Then this mate follows him and the next mate follows him. And the first one falls off a cliff. Boom. Second one falls off a cliff. Third one falls off a cliff. Literally 1,500 sheep follow each other off a cliff. Nobody, doesn't, nobody goes, oh, hang on a minute. Where are those guys going? I'll pause to think and go a different way. No, literally 1,500 sheep followed the one off the cliff that's a bit of an ah moment in the room the bad news is 400 of them died the good news is it was the first 400 the rest lived because the first 400 made this huge fluffy sheep pillow and the rest just landed and went boing and bounced off (laughs) that is a true story it's crazy but true it's on the BBC you can check it out 2005 in Turkey do you know we We go our own way in life. We follow our own path and not God's. And when Isaiah calls us sheep, that's not really a compliment, friends, because we wander off. Where are you going, little sheepy? Oh, I don't know. Just looking for something, some happiness over here. Maybe I'll go on a spending spree. I feel really happy. Oh, no, I'm just in debt. Maybe Maybe I'll just do this experience. Oh, that was great for a minute, but left me hurt or it's hurt somebody else. Hey, the prophet Isaiah is being honest and saying we need help with life because we tend to stray and veer off God's path. We tend to choose our own paths and that's not God's heart or God's best for us. Here's what the Bible says. Let's look again at Isaiah 53. We're like sheep who strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own and the Lord has laid on him, that's Jesus, the sins of us all. Now remember, this is 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And Isaiah is looking into the future when the Messiah, when Jesus would come. And it says, the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. This isn't describing that first story, the Christmas story. This is describing the later story of the cross. It's describing the cross of Christ because Jesus knew it was God's solution to our problem. So why the cross? Why did Jesus have to die? You know, the cross wasn't just some tragic turn of events. It wasn't Jesus as a victim. He voluntarily laid down his life. Jesus said of himself, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. There's that connection to the Isaiah concept again. Speaking of himself. Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. So Jesus was rejected so we could get accepted by God. The cross was actually God's plan to rescue the world and to reach out to us, to you and me. It was God's plan to defeat darkness in all its forms with all its power forever. We see in that Isaiah bit a vivid phrase, a descriptive phrase. The Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. What does that actually mean as we think about the gifts of Christmas? Well, Jesus covered all the debts. All those things that needed to be put right or settled. Where we'd wronged others and where we'd wronged God. At the cross, cross, it's like Jesus absorbed all the damage that we've done to others and the damage that we've done to ourselves, the pain we've caused and the pain we've carried. All that stuff was like potent darkness that he soaked up in his body and his soul at the cross. It was laid on him. And at the cross, Jesus absorbed into his pure life all of our faults, all of our failures, our darkness and pain. Now myrrh crops up again in the cross story. 
When Jesus was crucified, they offered him wine mixed with some myrrh to take away the pain in Mark chapter 15. But Jesus rejected it. He chose to fully embrace pain so we could receive healing. He took death so that we could get to know life. He was wounded, but we get restored. He took on bitterness, but we get the sweet experience of God's love in our lives. Let's look again in Isaiah in chapter 53. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way, but he was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Have you faced grief or sorrow or pain? Maybe this year, maybe in years gone by, have you ever been mistreated or rejected? Well, Jesus gets it. Jesus fully understands because he faced it too and he carried it too. We've been joking about unusual gifts at our tables today. But really, Jesus is the one who gives us the most unusual gift, the gift of friendship with God. And that's what the Christmas story is about. What God has given us in Jesus is an unusual gift. One of the ways to think about the difference between Christianity and religion is the difference between two simple words, do and done. Do and done. Religion is about what you have to do to get to God. But Christianity is about what God has done to reach out to us. God did for us what we couldn't have done for ourselves. Jesus came, he lived the perfect life that we could never live. Jesus died on a cross to pay our debt to God and then he rose to bring us new life. All of us, all of us here like sheep, we've wandered from God's best. We've gone our own path. But Jesus wants to walk with us through life, to lead us and guide us. His plans for us are good and can be trusted. He wants to walk alongside us in all the seasons, the good times and the bitter seasons. And through the Christmas story, Jesus shows God's love to us. He invites us to trust him and to follow him again. And Jesus brings that gift of friendship with God to each of us. That's God's unusual gift, a gift we don't deserve and a gift we don't own. So as we reflect on the gift of Christmas and as we come into land this afternoon, I'm I'm reminded of the words of the Christmas carol in the bleak midwinter. You might know it. In the last verse, it says this, What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I'd bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. I give my heart. Today, the invitation is to open up our hearts and lives again to Jesus, the good shepherd who laid down his life. Because he embraced death, we get to experience new life with God. Maybe you recognise you've wandered a bit from God's path. God's invitation is to get back in step and let him guide you. Maybe you're carrying heaviness and pain. It's to come to the shepherd and overseer of our souls and allow him to have access to our hearts and bring his healing. Just now as we um, finish, I'm going to just pray a simple prayer. And for those of you who've already made a choice to follow Jesus, maybe you want to echo these words of this prayer just as a recommitment and a thank you to God for sending Jesus. And maybe if you've never prayed or you've not committed your life to following him, it's a chance that you can own the words of this prayer and in a simple way reach out to God this Advent season and have a fresh start, or maybe a first start, in a friendship with God.
Let's take a moment to be still. And we're going to pray. I'm going to simply say a line of the prayer, one at a time, and then you can simply echo it in your heart if you want to. Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again so I could live for you. Sorry for all those times that I've gone my own way. I want to follow your path for my life. Jesus, come into my life and lead me every day. Fill my heart with your love and fill me with your spirit. Thank you that you hear my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.